0: Leader talk.
1: Leader talk.
0: Leader talk. leader talk. leader talk. leader talk. Leader talk. Leader talk.
2: Leader talk. Leader talk.
0: Hi, everyone. My name is Natalie Dawson. Welcome to Leader Talk. This show is proudly brought to you by Brainiac. Each week, we are meeting with incredible leaders from across Australia and around the world to discuss all things leadership in business insights. Each person coming on this show has given up their valuable time for one very clear purpose, to give back to small and medium business owners. Many of us will agree that the KISS principle, which stands for Keep It Simple Stupid, is easy to say, but actually hard to implement. Today, my co-host, CEO of Peerlight, Gus Arianto and I, are fortunate to chat to our guest speaker, Kaushal Kapadia, CEO of Sylvania Schrader, about the importance of simplicity in business and how it drives performance. Kaushal believes that simplicity is one of the leadership skills that people and businesses forget to master. In the absence of simplicity, businesses cannot be agile, so we need to understand how to embrace simplicity in leadership and business and how to success- successfully execute this. Welcome to the show, Kaushal.
1: Good afternoon, Natalie. Thank you for having me. Hello, Koshal. Hi, Gus. How are you? I'm good. How, How are you doing? doing?
2: Fantastic. And thank you for your time.
0: Definitely. Thank you. Now, Koshal, um, we always start our leader talk with two really fun questions that we ask each of our guests. So sure. we'd love to ask you our first one. Now, I have been told you are a cricket fan. So we would love to know who your favourite favorite cricketer is.
1: Yeah, I think uh, growing up in the subcontinent, Natalie, I don't think we're allowed to follow any other game. Uh, cricket is part of life. Um, uh, over the years, uh, Rahul Dravid, who was an ex-Indian batsman, has been my favourite crit- cricketer, not only for his performance on the ground, but how he conducts himself and his overall personality. Uh, he has been one of the ambassadors of the game. Uh, and in the modern times, I mean, our Indian cricket team has done so well, including yesterday against England, uh, I think, Virat Kohli, in- it kind of represents uh, the new form of cricket in that part of the world. So, yeah, I, I would say Rahul Dravid and, and Viratko.
0: Great. Do you watch cricket, Gus? Cricket uh, little bit,
1: a little bit, just a little bit. I'm not really into cricket. <laughs> that would be a very interesting discussion, Natalie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and where, the other question where will we find you when you are not at work?
1: Uh, I would be, uh, I'm a Current affairs junkie. Um, one of my one of my passions is to look at history, and what I look at is uh, I do a lot of history research. Uh, I also look at uh, where the headline, the historical headlines missed, what was behind those historical headlines. Um, uh, for argument's sake, uh, currently I'm studying the rise of the Ottoman Empire and how it spread around the around the world, and uh, what were the causes behind it, and what was going on within the, the within that. 600 years period of time and uh, what was the world like Uh, and that's just out of my interest and hobby that I look at. Uh, uh, My previous hobby was to look at World War II and the history behind it and leadership and how heroes are perceived in one part of the world versus the, the other part of the world. Um, I heard on one of the interviews somebody wanted uh, Winston Churchill to be at at a lunch or a dinner or some something like that, and uh, whilst he's a hero on one end, uh, you know, uh, in, in the subcontinent he's probably one of the biggest biggest villains around that time of, uh, of of history, and it's fascinating how how those equations work and and don't get to the headline. So that's that's what I do, uh, and I know it's not the. Uh, very common or it's not the most exciting to a lot of people, but uh, it
0: takes no, me. Definitely, you know what, you would get along with my husband, he loves all things like that, all the history, doesn't he, Gus? <laughs> 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 and, and what about you, Gus? Where will we find you? When you're not uh,
2: I will be marinating my pork ribs or lamb chops or something like that, doing the barbecue and, and whilst I'm waiting for the barbecue to happen, I will normally read the book and train my dogs to do tricks. So that's what I like the most. So that three come together, barbecue, training the dogs, and reading a book.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. Um, Look, Kaushal, before we go into um, our questions, just wanted to know if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. So who is Kaushal, a bit about your career, and who you are? Sure. Sure.
1: uh, Look, I've been in the electrical industry, lighting, and around lighting industry for the last 25 years of which uh, I have been in Aus- doing this in australia since uh, 2002 Star- i started in melbourne and then moved up moved up to sydney um, i have been with the Shredair Sylvania business now for roughly around 14 years and um, that's been my passion in that industrial b2b uh, utilities market uh, it's a uh, the Schrader acquisition of Sylvania happened roughly around 18 months ago. So the last 18 months has been around uh, the MA and the integration activity, which has been a, a big learning curve for for all of us. And uh, it's been a very exciting journey. There's been uh, you know uh, a lot of action and a lot of uh, a lot of work happening in and around the business, uh, whilst the rest of the world was locked down in COVID. And uh, it, it was kind of a blessing in disguise for us from a business point of view because it, it let us uh, settle down and, uh, and embed the business that we want to build, build in Australia.
0: Fantastic. Um, and look, today is actually a really interesting topic. I'm finding it really interesting. It's, it's, it's really simple. It's simplicity. So before we actually go into our discussions, let's kind of strip it all the way back and just find out in business from your perspective, what do, why does simplicity matter?
1: Simplicity. So first of all, I would like to clarify, uh, when I say simple, I'm not saying easy, right? It's a lot of time people come, come, confuse it between simplicity and easy. In fact, to a great extent, making the business simple is the difficult part. Mm-hmm. Everything else then becomes easier or simpler. Uh, so let's at the outset, not confused between simplicity and easy. Uh, uh, business is not easy, but it can be simple. And if it is simple, it's, it's more fun. Uh, simplicity is, is important because I believe it touches every aspect of the business. So we start with the CEO and whether we're talking about leadership or whether we're talking about the blue collar worker in the factory or even a casual that you've employed for a period of time, uh, it touches every aspect of the business, not just, just leadership. And, But the the incumbent leader, it is up to the leader to set up that simplicity in the business, right? Because there is this propensity in the middle management to complicate things. You know, we we try to write processes, we write... uh, uh, come up with this hierarchy of structures in the business and then the processes come in and these processes are understood by a segment of people who wrote it in the first place and they would develop over the time you are into the business. And by the time you are two, three, four years into the business, you just sit there and question why are we doing this process and it, what value it adds to the business. So if the process is simple on day one, people will understand it, grasp it, and they'll be able to implement it. Uh, if you want to complicate it, it becomes a burden for the years to come to live with that process and the consequences of that process. Uh, I I personally believe that simplicity starts from the top. uh, And I I think Gus and I have had a few discussions in the past where we have said, it starts from as simple as your vision statement. Is your vision statement simple enough for people to understand? Uh, Is the mission of the business simple enough? for people in the, in the business and your customers to understand. Right? It's not only an internal document. If you're going to put out a vision and a mission and you're not able to communicate your vision and vision to to your customers, uh, I think that's a lost opportunity because then you've just become another supplier. So there is there is that importance of having that clarity across the organization. And uh, I'm sure you, you relate to this, Natalie. Uh, all businesses these days do... Uh, engagement service. And, um, you know, we do a lot of that. And I, I know, Gus, your organization does that too. And I think 99% of the organization feedback comes about is more communication and said, ah, oh, there should be more communication and should be more communication. I personally think that businesses are communi- communicating even more than ever. Even now they are communicating more than ever with social media, with LinkedIn, with all sorts of things, but still the demand is coming for more communication. And my personal belief is that because that communication is not simple enough, I don't think it is reaching the right ears. It, it, it they are demanding more communication because what we are communicating is probably not relating to that each of that employee. and they are still coming back and saying, ah oh, but but there's not enough communication. But hang on, we've got a communication manager, full time person just doing communication, and there is overload of communication. And when you look at the other side, they say, Oh, people don't read emails. You know, MailChimp tells you how many people have even opened their email. But when the survey happens, it says, oh, we need more communication. So I think that breaks down to simplicity of communication, the frequency of communication, and, and so on. Yeah.
2: And isn't it funny, isn't it funny, Kaushal, when we think about simplicity come from the top and simplicity? actually, uh, you know, start from even when we draft our vision and our mission and the challenge of businesses. Uh, And when we talk about mission and vision, uh, we're not talking about a corporate mission and vision. Any business, small, medium, big, can have a vision, even if the vision is uh, in the piece of uh, a piper. But people get the hang of, unless it sounds sophisticated, it's not look right. So a lot of companies that I witness try to try so hard, try to make it sophisticated for brand purposes, for yep. communication purposes, but losing touch to how right. the people internally and externally to understand.
1: Yep, absolutely. I mean there are some examples out there in the market, Gus, if I may add. Who make it absolutely clear, right? Um, things like Bunnings, you know, and and, and the the logo which says the lowest price is just the beginning, right? and that says so much about it in in terms of what they are trying to achieve or what they are trying to do. I mean, one of the most successful businesses in Australia, right? and it's no different to another hardware store. There's the same supply chain to another hardware store. We're talking about different volumes and and so on and so forth, but. Why is it so successful? Because that that philosophy of the lowest price, that, and that translates down to every employee. It translates down to every customer. And in a way, it is also translating down to every supplier. We have been on the other side trying to supply to Bunnings. And we come with very sharpened pencils from day one because we know that that's the vision and mission of that business. So it can be very powerful in terms of how we communicate that vision of the business.
0: Can I just ask, Koshal? then, would you say simplicity differs um, according to business size or it doesn't matter, it's just this universal principle that can be applied? Because I'm just thinking, we're talking about buying, what if I, I own a tool shop, for example. Is it a different Absolutely Across the board,
1: right? I'm I, I firmly believe it's absolutely across the board. I mean, even even if a tool shop, and and Natalie, it's a it's a great example because not everyone's spanning. And, and we need to talk about uh, small business and medium business, and, and and so on. How does that tool shop then compete with the big big corporates out there who are operating? Right? And and those. Tool shops also need to keep it absolutely simple. How many times we have gone to a tool shop who has recognized us? All right, He said, "Ah, oh, you came in last time and how did you go with that tool that you bought from me? That one question differentiates that tool shop from any other uh, online business or any other bunnings of the world where there is that personalization, which I would call that tool shop ingredient, which, which is the personal ingredient you bring to the business. And if, if you bring that personalization and that simplicity in that business, you do not really have to have a fancy website if you're running a small small tool shop. I mean, uh, we discussed about Tesla I'm mean, running one of the world's largest corporations. If you look at their website, it's simple. It's absolutely simple design, probably designed for uh, a teenager to understand. And the questions that the, a, a new teenage buyer would have and the same applies to small and medium businesses. And I know, Gus, you talk about uh, cafes a lot of time, and kebab shops, and and and, and so on, so so on. Uh, and two tool shops, no, uh, not too different from uh, what we're talking, Natalie. Uh, as long as their processes are simple, uh, they understand each and every need of the customer and try and service those needs and keep it as straight and simple as possible. Uh, success is. Is guaranteed, yeah. in
2: my view. And, and and for my opinion, too, uh, when you are, your question, Natalie, before, uh, is simplicity actually uh, matter uh, or depend on business yeah. size? To be honest, in my view, the smaller you are, the simpler you need to be mm-hmm. because anything more than simple will cost you money.
0: Yeah.
2: Correct. And and, and there's a lot of, if we bring it back to the previous episodes, you know, even when we talk about the planning, the the, the you know the the, the 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 how you should look at your business, uh, a lot of people actually making it complex without the understanding why you make it complex in the first place. If you want to open a tool shop, and your vision to be the most known just in the suburb because that's your vision you just want to be a tool shop that is known personalized approachable tool shop in your suburb then spending the first 3 months of your business building a global website spend, spending spending thousands of dollars
1: yeah. it's how many small businesses fall in that trap, Gus? Yeah. How many yeah. of them?
0: Yeah. And it's I've actually experienced a really um, effective thing that happened last week, actually. Purchased some, um, my husband and I love drinking coffee and we purchased some uh, coffee from a, a coffee farm in Queensland. Um, had it delivered and inside was a personal note. It was the first time we purchased from them and it was, dear Natalie, welcome to our coffee family. Gave us a bit, it was handwritten gave a bit of a blurb, and then um, signed it off, stay safe um, in these challenging times from your coffee family. Really simple. But wow. do you know what? It was so effective. It, it took me by surprise, and I went, wow, how nice. And as a customer, I will go back. <laughs> Just something so simple.
1: That Correct.
0: Absolutely. So and going back to the
1: tool shop example, Natalie, how many times we have gone to a tool shop and you want to, want something, there is somebody sitting at the reception and they give you a price and availability. And then they say, oh, something is being printed in the warehouse. And then there is a warehouse guy who is looking for it and you're waiting and you're waiting and there's no news. And then you come back after 15 minutes, they come back and say, hang on, you want 20? I've got 18, Uh, another two will end up in in four weeks time. Uh, Do you want it? And that is a very common experience that we get. Compared to a simple process where a person who attending, who is attending that customer comes in and says, "Right, thank you. I'm going to go and pick it up for you." The system's showing only 18. Would you want 18? And you say yes, and that guy goes in and looks for it. You won't then mind waiting 10 minutes. You might even just say that I might have a seat. There's some coffee here. I'll go and get it. And that experience is so much better than. Outcome is still the same. You only got 18 units, right? But the, the whole experience between the first and the second example is that the second example is so much better. You know what you're expecting. You know who is servicing you. And you are ready to then wait. There are no surprises after that. And it feels much more simple and personalized. And
2: and Natalie, uh, as we discussed yesterday, when we talk about simplicity, the leader is accountable to make the culture simple. Because... Absolutely. A lot of complexity in business is actually because the people in the organization, doesn't matter what size of the organization, are actually scared to actually making a decision. Policy after policy, it's actually making the business complex. And then what's funny, you create one policy, unless you sell 20, you cannot. And yes, I don't want to discount, there is a certain rule that organization make a decision because because of the complexity of of managing the stock, I understand. But at the end, I think every organization, and I'm not saying I'm perfect on this as well, we need to empower the people around simplicity and making decision because uh, it doesn't matter what we want to say that our business is simple, if you're not empowering the people to actually make a decision, that simplicity is actually just a word as well. What's your thought about that, Koshil? In the absence of empowerment, can simplicity be driven throughout?
1: I think uh, we, you hit the nail there, Gus. With fear, right? And and that you see that example in every organization. How many people are copied in in an email? Um, you know, it, it's a, a stock movement that needs to happen between warehouse and for probably finance for adjusting stock, but there are ten people copied in. From the operations manager to to the CEO of the business, because everyone's trying to say, "Hey, hey, look, this is what we're doing." Uh, everyone needs to know about it. It's it's, and that's the fear coming out of the employee, where um, where the empowerment has not really been been focused on, or or, or really been enabled, if I can put, use that word. Uh, there is empowerment in every mission statement or vision statement <laughs> of of uh, medium and large sized businesses, but are they really about? Uh, I don't think they are, and uh, and that fear comes out in the behavior, um, and that that behavior then leads to, you know, more complicated processes within the business.
2: I have a question for you, Koshul. If I have a tool shop, and just the situation right now, I I love my tool shop, and I make everything complex. I have a global website when my operation is only local. I have. 200 policies to make sure that people are safe when I only work with my son. <laughs> and I have a lot of rules, legal rules, you name it. And then I'm just tuning in, listening to yourself and Natalie talking about this. Where do I start? To, so what do I do tomorrow to make my business simple When 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 I actually love complexity because I'm I, I just love to make it perfect so when i sit down with my friend i can explain 200 policies and procedures that my company actually applied where do I start
1: well, you, you you will be able to do that because you know you'll have a lot of time on hand. Not, not many customers around because if that's what you end up doing um, uh, look there, there is place for Policies. I mean, safety. Whether it's you and your son, safety is is absolutely mandatory, and uh, you need to be safe, and you make sure that everyone in the business, and including your customers, are, are safe. Uh, but do you need a thirty-page policy for that? All right? Uh, there is, uh, uh, whether it, when it's you and your son, there is there is a lot of things that you can do, which are practical things which lead to safety. Uh, a lot of times in these policies, the missing element is common sense. But I know. We need to to protect against the law, and a lot of this thing is done to, to you know cover your backside and and, and things like that. Uh, but when you're running that small tool shop, like you said, there is a lot of that can happen, which is from a safety point of view acceptable to work in. And then the rest of the processes that you're developing, look at one by one and ask one simple question: Does this process bring in an extra customer? Does this process then Benefit my customer, and if the answer to those two questions is no, I think you scrap it. It is as simple as that. Because you're running a small business, you really do not have time and luxury to keep on developing these processes and complexities and, and into the business. It, it starts impacting your customers. It is uh, in my personal view. It's again two simple questions. Huh? And if the answer to those two questions is no, scrap
0: it. Can we just repeat those two questions again? Because they were so simple but so effective. We've got, does the process bring in extra customers? If no, scrap it. And that-
1: Scrap it. And the second thing is, does the process add any extra value to existing customers, right? So if, if there is a value that it's creating for an existing customer, yeah, I mean, look look at that, keep that, because customers would appreciate that. But if the answer to those two questions is no, uh, I think be very quick in, in scrapping those policies.
2: Yep. And I just want to make sure that we also capture this, Natalie. That crucial not discounting the safety procedures. Yes, you know, I think in every company, organization, even home, that safety is actually something that we need to actually fight for. Uh, what what we applying is beyond safety, organization, okay. enterprise, Absolutely. small, medium, big love 200 pages document uh, because it looked good on the title.
1: Yeah. right. Yeah. And in and, and, and this particular example, Gus, you said, is you and your son. I mean, obviously, safety is important and um, and, and, and and your customers, you don't want to. So that, that's non-negotiable, but uh, uh, be practical about those things too. Rather than having a 200 page safety document, you need to be practical about the safety environment around you. And uh, and then look at what your customer wants. Uh, the good part about a small business is that you will not have to have a board meeting to ca- scrap a policy. You know, you can't you can sit down tomorrow morning or, or over dinner and say that, you know, hang on, do we really need to do this? And if we are doing this, is it bringing another customer in, or is it helping another customer? And if the answer is on, the answer is no. Uh, tomorrow morning, guess what? We got a new policy. We're not going to do that. Yeah. It does make. Imagine doing that in a corporate, Gus. That we probably two board meetings. Yeah. If you're trying to do that in a, in a corporate, it would be probably two board meetings and uh, and multiple meetings yeah. because we tend to make those things very complicated as a as a process. Um, and, and a lot of times, under this complicated processes, we start devaluing our own time to come out at the same result. We go through this convoluted process and maybe it's right, but you come to a conclusion that you could have come within five minutes, but you do this whole exercise which goes on for three days, four days and meetings and multiple people and you come to that same conclusion. Um, and I, I went to a seminar uh, and uh, I heard this example, so it, I don't have the IP to it, so, but I'll just try to repeat that one. Is uh, There's this guy who was doing some logos for a, for a business and uh, it's basically branding and logos. And he went to a CEO of a business and pitched his business. And the CEO basically explained to him what he, he wanted and what he saw in his business and how he wants to his business to be portrayed. And um, this guy understood everything and said, yeah, I've got a great idea. And he's sitting there and he sketched something and he says, here it is. And uh, the CEO absolutely loved it. And he said, this is absolutely brilliant. This is exactly what I wanted. And Great. And this guy puts in an invoice for $20,000. And the CEO is taken aback saying that, hang on, you spent five minutes doing it. And this is $20,000. And the question then is that, would you like me to go back and spend two weeks, come up with 20 different examples for you, then you shortlist three, then I spend another two weeks on that and come back with the final one, which you take to your board and then you approve it. And then you pay me $20,000. So you really liked it on the first instance, and it is. then you go through this complicated, convoluted process because you're trying to um, uh, go from fear. if You've taken the whole organization along and everyone's with us and you know, we're trying to do the right thing and come to the same conclusion which you came within the first five minutes. Then you've not valued your time. Probably you spend more than $20,000 in your time To get to the decision that you come back in five minutes' time. And
2: if we, Natalie, if we relate that to our leader talk one with Daniel Wood, uh, vice president of Tupperware, where he said, Perfection is the enemy of success. Uh, I can relate why a lot of people thinking that simple is actually not the way to go, because unless it's perfect, you can't be successful. But it's actually counterproductive. And, and when we, think, we we look at the example that Koshil mentioned before, uh, it's happened every day in organization. And this simplicity that we talk about is beyond process. It's actually a culture. Mm-hmm. It's actually how you do things. It's, uh, right through, if you are a tool shop, do you want to have 20,000 type of tools when you operate just in a suburb and you actually know that most of your customer is actually only come from a specific type of inquiry. So simplicity that we talk about is beyond process that we apply to our business, is including our offering to customer, including how we actually do our recruitment process. You cannot talk about simplicity when your recruitment process requires six interviews, personal tests, uh, IQ test, and then after that, twenty reference check. Uh, you just not simple, and I I agree with Koshil on this that in the time where the world requires speed, agility. If you're not simple, you become fat, you become slow, and you become redundant. Now, easy to say from my from uh, from my side. The reality is is a challenge of every leader, which I lead to Cauchel. The question is. So Koshil, who is the person that's totally responsible for simplicity culture?
1: As a principle of simplicity within the organization, I think it is the leadership's responsibility to, to set it up as a as a goal within the business, right? Then a leader can't be expected to hold hands on every process of the business to make it simple. Yes, you can evaluate it, you can help them where the help is required, but you need to create that simplicity culture in the business and then it cascades down into the organization. Now, again, it depends on the size of the organization and the complexity of the organization. Uh, But here we are talking about small and medium businesses. And in, in, in the small and medium businesses, I think the leader and the leadership team Creates that culture, lives by that culture, and you will be surprised, Gus, Within a few months' time, it translates into every process, into the business. It is, it is, um, it is very infectious in 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 an organization when people start understanding the purpose of me coming to work every day morning. It, a lot of times, uh, people really do not understand the work. They just, it's a job that they come to, and once they start understanding the purpose of why they come to that that job in the morning or, or to that location in the morning, whether it's home or, or, or at, at, uh, at an office, uh, and they know the purpose why they are there, it becomes much more easier for them to make it simple for them. And I'll give you an example of uh, uh, in, in our industry, particularly, we have salespeople who are based out of regions and there's no office there, right? They're working from home and most of the time and not not because of COVID times, it's been always like that because we can't have office in in, in Rockhampton or, or, for for example, or rural areas, but you still have a representative there. And the self-discipline that that representative has to have every day morning, right? He needs to still get up on time, you know, have to shave, have to dress up and switch on the car at 7.30 in the morning and drive from... Uh, Rocky to probably Mackay and, and see one wholesaler. Now, it, it does require a certain sense of planning and a certain sense of simplicity in that whole process that this is my plan. Today, I'm going to see A, B, and C and he plans that day accordingly. And it it is a self-discipline that comes in through that employee because he knows his purpose there. Now, we've seen so many times that not everyone's equipped to do that. There are people who are uh, are a fish out of the water when they're not in an office environment and when they're not told exactly what to do. Now, if your processes are not simple, people will not understand what they're supposed to do or what they're expected to do, and then you will have that constant hand-holding where a leader leader ends up being busy hand-holding people to do what they need to do rather than leading the business to the next stage where you want to take it.
0: Yeah. It's such a simple and relatable um, example. Um, we're, we're talking about sim, um, simple culture, simplicity culture, and we're saying it's coming from leadership. What would you say are the key ingredients um, for a simple culture? So we've, talk, we've spoken about empowerment, empowering the people. Are there any key ingredients that we could say are the key takeaways for driving this simplicity culture?
1: sorry that's all right um, I think first first and the foremost is you need to live that culture as a leader right in, in terms of you, you need to be convinced that simplicity is required as a leader first you need to be convinced once you're convinced you need to live that within the organization. Uh, not only from what you say or what policies you come, the way you present uh, present yourself, way you are seen in the office. Right? I have seen so many CEOs wearing jackets and put a high-vis on top of a jacket and walk through a factory floor. Now, you can spot it out there. I mean, the people on the factory floor can spot it there itself, Natalie said. The guy is in a suit and a jacket and he has put a high-vis or a hard hat as, as, as I would say politicians do for a photo op. Uh, You've got to live it. You need to have your high-vis in your, in your office. You need to have your hard boots in your office. And you should have that ability to go onto the factory floor and talk to anyone on the factory floor without antagonizing their supervisors uh that's the other part of it. A lot of time you go into the factory floor and you want to talk to, let's say, a warehouse operator. And suddenly you have the warehouse manager accompanying you and then the operation manager accompanying you. And when you're trying to talk to that warehouse operator, he is scared because he's got two levels above him before he can even talk to you. So the ability to go and talk to them without antagonizing the warehouse manager or the operations manager in this particular case, that whatever is being done or is being done is not to cast judgment on what they are doing, but it is to improve the business or the understanding of the business. And if you show that in the in the in the business as as leader and the leadership team, only the leader can't be doing it, um, it and the leadership team consistently does that, it will start spreading within the organization fairly quickly. And and you can see then the confidence of people, how they're able to approach the leadership team, how they're able to talk to leadership team. And um, at, at some stage, leaders will have to weed out real issues out of non-issues because it can also lead to a lot of uh, uh, non-issues getting escalated or, or things like that. But lead, that's what leadership is all about, the ability to be able to uh, to. Uh, to, sp- to sp- split between real issues and and and, uh, and non-issues where they need only a, a bit of a pat, a pat on yeah, the and back.
0: Great int-
2: and for yeah. me, Natalie, I think uh, you cannot be simple unless you're authentic. Because unless you're authentic, you put a lot of makeup and a lot of jacket, a lot of hats, a lot of thing. And then at the end, you become very complex. Now, the challenge for every leader that, drive the organization and try to make it simple, the question will come, how do you lead and how brave you are to be authentic? Because inside that jacket, you are just the same like everyone else, a human being. Now, I love the example that Koshil mentioned before. There's nothing wrong using a jacket, a high face. and But if you talk about simplicity and everything needs to be simple, then you need to be able to move quickly from your office to the floor, roll your sleeve, put your hard hat and just walk to the floor instead of uh, before you go to the factory, you put your makeup. I mean, it's a, uh, it's uh, it, that process that we talk about. So, so for the audience that actually like to use the jacket, we're not saying that you can't do that. Um, so just, we just want to make sure that the example that Kaushal bring here is to, if we want to drive simplicity, Every process of a leader, every process of the business owner has to be simple. If you are a tool shop and you want to drive simplicity, yet a selection of tools in your shop requires 20 minutes before someone can buy one particular tool, then uh, it's become disconnect. It's good on paper. But it's bad in the executions, and I, I think I think this this is a basic basic things that uh, a lot of people ask me. Hey, guys, uh, uh, why some of the topic that create success in the company it's so basic, right? You you, you look into major major companies that is successful, they dream, they vision, they uh, everything is quite simple uh, because it is in the absence of simplicity where everyone can understand and join the band to actually execute the plan, you actually have a leader that understand 200 pages and a thousand people or two people in the organization that actually uh, missing in action because they don't just get
0: it. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to ask something from um, the perspective of um, small and medium business. So, I'm a business owner myself and for me, I find the hardest thing is actually not the process or anything like that, we've, we've touched on this, but actually dealing with difficult situations or difficult people. So if we're looking at from a simplicity perspective, what would be your advice when we are in these situations? Because we're all in differing, you know, different situations when it comes to dealing, whether it's a difficult vendor, difficult customer, um, difficult employee. From this um, simplicity lens, um, as Gus would usually say, what would be your advice? And I can—I'll throw this to both of you. Um, perhaps start with you, Corshaw.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I will go back to what Gus said uh, earlier. You—the the first point is you still need to be authentic, all right? Even when we are dealing with your customer, and, and uh, see, normally a, a customer is. Difficult when there is a there is a gap between his expectation versus what we have delivered. Yep. it is it is as simple as that. It could be unreasonable expectation. I, I I'm not saying that customer uh, expectations are always correct. Uh, whilst we do say customer is always right, but uh, there could be an expectation level versus what you have delivered. There are two two different. Um, uh, we are on two different planets, if, if we can put it. That's where the that's where the, the dissatisfaction, and that is where the difficulty part of it sta- uh, starts. And it could be from a price, or from a product, from a delivery point of view. It could be multiple uh, ingredients within that that dissatisfaction from a customer. So, a when you start with him, you need to be authentic in terms of saying that what are our real issues to get to his expectation. Right? That that is. We need to put that out up front for the customer to really understand that these are our issues that we have. I mean, for example, if we take it back to our tool shop, our tool shop is a small business, right? And we cannot have a parking like Bunnings with electrical charger free if the customer's expectation is that he can come and park in my parking and he'll get a parking all the time and he'll have a free electric charging like what punnings or is giving away for, for attractive customers that is not possible but that could be a customer expectation yeah? compared to a difficult customer where we have totally failed him on 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 our promise to him on quality or delivery or or, or the product so there, there is a range of that And, and in, in either of those cases, we need to be authentic with them and say that, yes, if we have made a mistake, put up our hand and say, yes, we have made the mistake and we will fix it. That is the difference between a, a flyby business versus a business that's going to be there and be remembered. And, and, and a lot of times I've said that uh, an issue with a customer is the best opportunity to build a relationship with that particular customer. Because normally, when things go well, there is a customer who places an order on on the business, and it could be a tool shop, or it could be a complicated business like Shred Sylvania or or Peelite, for that matter. Uh, and, and then, you know, something is made, and and six weeks later, an invoice is read, and a pay, uh, you know, a, a payment's made, and it's all over. In in a, quite a uh, significant amount of cases, you don't even know who the customer is. It, the transaction happens, and it's a very transactive business. But when there is a, 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 a expectation gap, uh, it actually gives an opportunity for small businesses, particularly, to to interact with that particular that customer and, and say that look, I can then build up a relationship with that that particular client. Uh, how many times a gas would go to a tool shop, buy a tool, and go back home, and The business would not even know that his name is Gus. He comes in, he buys, and he goes. But the day Gus has a problem, it gives the business an opportunity to spend that 10 minutes extra with Gus because Gus is happy to spend that extra 10 minutes because the business is listening to him. And then it gives the business the opportunity to understand Gus. And next time when Gus comes in, Gus gets called with his name. Right, saying how how are you, Gus, and how did that go? And we fixed that for you, and did that work well or not work well? Uh, And Gus has that personal relationship going with that that particular tool shop. So there is that great opportunity when you have that that difficult customer. I think, Uh, and Natalie, honestly, if the difficult is if the customer is not difficult, I think the the whole challenge in in leadership is gone. Then, um, anyone can be a leader. Uh, anyone can uh, can do it. And, and that's the difference between a good leader and a bad who can grab that opportunity to interact with that client and be on the forefront. So not send your managers to deal with it. And I said, yes, there is an issue. One of our managers is dealing with it and he's facing all the heat from the customer. You come in and say, I'll take over from here. I'll do the communication with the client. A, it gives the priority within your business to resolve that issue because you are involved. And B, the client gets the importance that yes, my issue has been looked at from from uh, from the top in the business.
0: So simple. You make it sound so simple. Um, I hope it is. just before I um, throw it over to you guys, I actually experienced this. Now that you've said that, um, the other day was my sister-in-law's birthday, and I ordered some gourmet cupcakes to arrive in time for after her dinner. We're in lockdown, so we can't go see each other. It was, it was supposed to be before 7 o'clock. 8 o'clock, I get a message saying it now won't be delivered until 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. at night. I thought, oh, no, this is her birthday cake. You know, I needed it at that time. Uh, it was a new gourmet um, donut online store. I, can't, I sent them an email. There was no phone number, so I sent them an email. Within two minutes, I got a response apologizing, apologizing saying this is not up to our standards uh, but it got there within yeah. 20 minutes. We were order number 10. They were so busy. They, they did it right away. So within, you know, 10, 15 minutes, the order was delivered and they offered a 50% discount for our next purchase. Now I wasn't an upset or a terrible customer. I just wanted it to be delivered with her dinner. But the fact that I quickly got a response they delivered it ASAP. So they pushed me ahead of the order because I genuinely wanted there at a certain time. Means that I'll purchase from them anytime again because they actually listened and they gave me that time. And exactly what you said, Korshaw, it was quite a simple transaction. It wasn't, it didn't take long. They acknowledged the problem and they acted upon it right away. So just really simple. Sorry, Gus, I just, that came to mind.
2: No, no, I think that's a perfect... A perfect example, you know, when Koshil mentioned this, there's two things I actually uh, uh, like to discuss further. Uh, your question was, uh, how do we keep simplicity when a difficult situation arises? And in this example, we're talking about a difficult customer. Uh, using that example, for example, your your, your donut order online, uh, imagine if their process is not simple. Imagine after you send email, they ask you 10 different questions including uh, including every unnecessary questions required. You will be unhappy, not even willing to explain the process here at our leader talk show. So you know when you make a phone call uh, to, 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 to buy something from a shop and then they they not simple, you get frustrated. but simplicity is actually the answer of your difficult situation because, Simplicity can make it fast, can resolve the problem, uh, and you need to strive on that. And now come back to Kaushal's statement. I I just love it. I I know a little bit going to the left, a little bit, but if you remember what he said before, when you have a difficult customer, you actually got the blessing from God because you can now spend 10 minutes extra understanding who they are, Understanding what they like, what they don't like, the name, the email, the mobile number, including all their staff, because they're willing to give it to you. Now, how many organizations and how many people actually walk away from difficulties thinking that it's a complex thing? Uh, by the way, Koshil, I never, uh, to be honest, I never look at it like that from that angle. So that's, that's absolutely new for me. You know, if you are a business and you actually have a difficult customer, you're just about to get personalized with your customer. (laughs) That is fantastic.
1: If I I add one more thing to that from what you asked, Natalie, and if you spend that 10 extra minutes with the client as a leader of a medium business, uh, it also tells you where your business is stuffing up, Mm -hmm. where the customers are genuinely telling you this feedback. I mean, Most of the other times, we send out surveys to customers to fill up, you know, five questions and 10 questions and tell us about our service. And through the year, we ignore some of this feedback that is coming from dissatisfied customers. So isn't it better to go out and talk to this customer and spend that 10 minutes extra rather than sending out a a survey at the end of the year and then... Looking, saying that, ah, oh, how many responses did we get? And then 60% of them think we are good, and 10% think we are acceptable. So we put both of them together and say, oh, 70%, we are okay. Yeah. That's how it happens in, in organizations. And, uh, and a lot of times we just ignore this feedback that is coming constantly during the year, every day of your work. And when you talk, you spend that 10 minutes, Gus, I'm sure you will find three or four different things that you need to address within your organisation to to simplify your offer or, or what, what you have committed to the client.
0: It's always a learning process, isn't it? So even that, yeah. and even just adding to that, you know, I've worked with businesses, whether they're small or medium, and depending on how complex their situation is, and Gus, this is, you know, talking about, you know, what if there was a 10-question process to get through to that person when I was following up on these donuts. And they don't actually deal with the customers. And I know there's some organizations that actually have to implement programs for you to actually deal with a customer, yet you're selling to them. Like I've had programs that I've seen and I've actually implemented or given feedback on. And some of them are called, you know, call a customer program. It's that simple. Because your end user or your, are um, you know, you're dealing with customers, but you don't actually have any interactions. So like you said, whether it's a blessing to have this 10 minute, you will actually learn something from these people you're actually selling yeah. to or dealing with.
2: Yeah. And I don't want to discount the fact that as an organization, we need to have certain process and steps. I, I think it will be crazy to think that we, let's go just open a, tool shop tomorrow without any ruling because it's just simple to the extent if the customer want it for free, I just, you know, my son just give it for free, for example, that's, in, that's impossible. The reality is we're running a business and in every business, doesn't matter what's the size, there is a constraint, a constraint of cost, a constraint of time, a constraint of supply, a constraint of, you know, uh, responding to quality and warranty, request we understand all that come back to what koshil mentioned before though which i agree the business need to stop and relook into the process often to understand whether our process is actually making our life more difficult now once again easy to say hard to do i'm not saying i'm the expert of it but we strive to it and i think the this particular leader talk session when koshel put the hand up and said hey guys I have one particular topic that uh you know we need to we need to share simplicity drive performance uh it's not a very bling bling concept you know to be honest when koshel and I spoke isn't it Kosha we laughed how do we make this uh sound great <laughs> and Koshil said to me well that's not simple <laughs> Simpli- <laughs> that's not simple. Guys. Yeah. Remember, Kaushil, I said, so Kaushil, yeah, simplicity absolutely. is the topic. Uh, how should I tease this so we have people want to listen to this? And Kaushil respond to me, well, that's the number one situation. We are not simple. Simple is simple. In the absence of simplicity, every business, every situation becomes difficult.
0: So for Gus, can I just add on that or ask you this question? So for all those businesses out there that are listening and going, this is so great because it is really simple and hopefully, you know, we're explaining it quite simply to them, COVID, the COVID situation now is quite complex. So for all of them saying, yeah, that's really great, but we've got, we've got COVID here and it's, you know, it's a real challenge, what would be your advice if they're still trying to simplify with this, you know, Complex thing going around them, where it's challenging them every day, every week. You know, there's no certainty at the moment. Is there anything? Yeah, any from my you? view,
2: uh, yeah. From my view, and I, I'm have, uh, I'm also want to ask Koshil the same thing. Um, from my view, is like this: the reality is the world we live in right now is pushing us into the area where things become complex. So we need to accept that what we're trying to do right now is to share to the audience. And whilst we're doing this, I'm learning as well that from the 10 things that happen in your organization, three might be very complex that you can't actually walk away from. For example, taxation. You know, business tax during COVID. I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not simple. Let's move away from that. That's another simplicity. Your ability to... Move from the things you can't control to the things you can control, create a simplicity. So, my question to the audience, to everyone that's running a business, doesn't matter what's the size, have you actually spent time in your business to understand the area that can use, that you can simplify without disc- discounting the challenges of the area that you can't simplify? Some business owners are in financial trouble right now, where the the process for them to even getting a loan, getting access to money will be just beyond complex. Well, then you have to do that because you can't control that. But whilst we have our energy going that way, my question is, are you also putting a complexity in terms of how to make your website so complex that no one understand your website? Yeah. Because you only have 24 hours in your life. Koshil, what's your view on this?
1: Yeah, and uh, Natalie, if I understood your question correctly, uh, look, one we are talking about is we need to split this into two discussions. One is during COVID, you know, whilst we are in this situation, during this lockdown and so on. Some of the small businesses, like Gus mentioned, are are going through a financial nightmare, right? And I'm not in their shoes. I can only imagine what they're going through. It's an extremely difficult situation. And and telling them to keep their business simple is probably going to backfire because there's an emotional baggage there. Uh, But in that period, has the business looked at what we can do? If we are that small tool shop. Do we have a list of our customers who come to us regularly? Do we contact them and say that we are open? We can do home delivery. Uh, you know, the so sun's sitting there in the office. We can pack it up and run around within the suburb and things like that to keep it keep it going a bit. And, and not all cases, it, it's going to be possible. But what we need to now concentrate on as, as small and medium businesses is post-COVID. Right? Have we used this period to get ready for post-COVID? Because COVID will be gone, in terms of how we know it now after vaccination and whatever form it takes, I don't know. We all don't know, but we are going to get to some sort of COVID normal in, in, in different parts of the world and have we then prepared our business for post COVID because there, there are businesses who are at the absolute exact opposite of what is going on in the market. I'll give you an example of my cafe nearby my, my house, right? It's within, Uh, kilometers walk. It's a small village and uh, there's a cafe and very nice people. And they have not seen business boom like this ever in their history because people are in a lockdown. Everyone wants to go for a walk in the morning and there are people queuing up for buying a cup of coffee and and, and so on. And their business has boomed because New South Wales lockdown is slightly different to the Victorian lockdown in terms of people being able to buy a coffee. And I think for them, the problem is going to be the other way around. When people are back to office, their business is going to go mm-hmm. down. Right? Um, in some cases, the businesses are going to be completely changed. I mean, if you look at the city here now in, in CBDs in, in, uh, in, in Australia, uh, the occupancy rates in the CBDs are expected to come down. And uh, there will be a flexible workforce where, uh, even Google has come back now and said that people will be given three days from home and two days from office. And if that kind of averages pick up uh, and work still happens, the, the footfall that you will have into small businesses in CBD is going to drop significantly. So what 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 are we doing or what has, as a small business I'm doing to make sure that I'm, a, I'm preparing myself for that lower footfall? Uh, what are the services that I'm going to provide, which are value additions in that, or how am I going to cater to that shortfall yeah, in, in, in that, that business that's going to come post-COVID? Now, some of them will have the other way around because the business will start doubling up, growing up, and, and so on as, as we go to some sort of a normal. Uh, I guess I'm going to the point where, Natalie, have we utilized this time during that COVID period to look at what is in the outset beyond November, Right, uh, and everyone's talking beyond November, but let's say twenty twenty two and onwards, how that post COVID or COVID normal is going to impact our, our small business.
0: Okay, really great advice. Yeah, um, look, I'm just looking at the time, and I know Gus likes to give a wrap up of um, our show. Gus, is there anything you want to um, point out or wrap up?
1: Yeah,
2: thank you, Natalie. Uh, first of all, thank you, Koshal, for. Donating your time and your insight. Uh, Leader talk have a very clear intent where we want to bring great insights, uh, hopefully can be utilized by small and medium business all over the world. And, you know, when you came to me and said that, hey, guys, you know, uh, during this situation, I think we need to bring a very important topic, which is simplicity, simplicity in culture, in mind, and in executions. Uh, I really... You know, Natalie and I jump on board on this. And uh, throughout the last uh, one hour, uh, these are the key messages that I took. Number one, simplicity comes from the top, number one, because you as the leader, the owner, uh, the small owner, the medium owner, or the big owner, or the big leaders have the power to empower people with simplicity culture. Number two, uh, please make sure that you understand that some of the process that you apply initially could be from a good intent. As the years goes by, those processes might not be relevant anymore because the world are changing. So sit down, look at your processes against your mission, against your vision, to ensure that there is nothing blocking each other. Number three that I took from Koshal as well is uh, simple, running a business with simplicity in mind is non-negotiable because otherwise you're getting fat. Otherwise you're getting slow. How can you compete and how can you win? So that's what I took uh, for the last 60 minutes from Koshal Kapadia, the CEO of Silvania
0: thank you so much. It's such clear, simple um, messages. So thank you so much for your time, Kaushal. Uh, and thank you everyone um, for tuning in. For more information on LeaderTalk and for some great resources to help your business grow, check out brainiac.com.au. Thanks, everyone.
1: Thank you, Dudley, and thank you, Gus, for having me. Thank Appreciate you, Kaushal. You. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. LeaderTalk. Leader talk.
0: Leader talk. Leader talk. Leader talk. Leader talk. Leader talk.
2: Leader talk.